carry on with this in this session with uh, commanded blessing, where God can command blessing, and when God can command it, he, when and where commanded blessing can come from God. The Psalm 133, verses one through to three, and uh, we're going to look at uh, just pick up a, on a few things and try to just bring this message to a close. I don't want this to be too long a session, but unity brings tremendous blessing. Uh, great authority, great anointing, great refreshing, a bestowed commanded blessing. It brings energy and vitality and reality. Uh, it brings fertility, uh, effectiveness, fruitfulness. There God commands the blessing. In the book of Judges, in the 20th chapter in verse 11, the children of uh, God's people are in, in battle, lost a few. And it says this in Judges 20 verse 11, all the men got together. And united as one and they won they started winning in Matthew 18 19 Jesus said that uh, agreeing together gives us added power if two shall agree as touching anything here on earth it shall be done two shall agree where two or three are gathered together in his name he's in the midst just doesn't take too many but it does take the whole if your church is for ten people takes the whole. If it's a thousand people, it takes the whole. Can't allow people to get away with causing division. God has called us in leadership to refute as well as, as to bless and encourage. So what causes division? Just a few things quickly. I wish I could read all of these. I'm going to ask you, please, if you're serious about this, read the scriptures that I give you these references. Hatred. Hatred is unforgiveness, unresolved issues in our lives towards people. We can call it what we like. But it's hatred and bitterness, selfish ambition, and hatred and bitterness. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, and then selfish ambition, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and James chapter 3, verse 16. Where the selfish ambition, these are the works of the flesh. And so many people, there's selfish ambition in them, even in the leadership. Also pride, jealousy. Those things cause division. I'm too proud to submit myself to, agree with get involved with. I don't like the way we're doing it. So if, if it's not unbiblical and it really is helpful, we should be cooperating, not being proud and jealous, envious. Proverbs 13.10, a contentious spirit. Some people are just contentious. They just argue and fight. Always, before you even finish saying what you're saying, they've got an argument for it. They, they've heard a couple of words and then they, they start manufacturing and thinking of what they're going to say to just be contentious, just to prove you wrong. And they write, it's pride and a contentious spirit. Have a look at Proverbs 26, verse 21. Anger, we just flare up for nothing. Our feelings are hurt. These things cause division. Now, our feelings can get hurt, but God wants to give us a victory so that even if we hurt, he'll heal us. And we don't just blurt it all out and take revenge. Revenge is God's not ours. Foolish uh, questions and arguments. Uh, have a look at 1 Timothy 6, 14 and James chapter 3, verse 16. People just ask the most foolish questions. Uh, they just want to be argumentative. <laughs> I don't know if you have this, but so often people come sit with me and I say, I just want to bounce something off you. I'd like to get your, your, uh, your understanding of it, your perception. And, and then they just prattle on and they 
They don't give me a chance. And if I get a word in, they, they tell me I'm already doing that. When the fact that they're sitting there says they haven't got it put together and they need help. And yet they just got to, yes, I'm already doing I know that. I knew that. I just, uh, you know, look, let me just say this. Any leader who's always insisting on us doing things their way, getting their own way all the time, doing it their way, they are divisive leaders. They won't face it, but they are. And you and I have got to come to terms with the fact we've got to notice that and not be sucked into it. They're divisive. Uh, Oh, well, I'm going to skip over. I just wanted to say all sorts of things here. But also, what causes division? Well, being people worshippers or even leader worshippers. We, we, we worship leaders. And Paul has to write about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read through 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, when you choose this guy above that guy, when you prefer this guy above that guy, uh, you're just carnal. Carnality is a work of the flesh. It's a, it's a, a demonic uh, response coming out of your heart so put to death all these prejudices against people when we put, when we put preachers above Christ uh, I'm telling you we, we, do, we do whether we do it deliberately or in ignorance when we put men before movements and men and movements before truth I tell you we're being divisive some preachers make themselves the focus uh, of, of, of all the everything they want all the credit for everything I've suggested things to people and because it was not them they won't tell people and they know what you've said is good they don't have to go and tell use my name but they want all the attention they want all the applause I hope you're not one of those leaders if you are repent please in Jesus name the problem is that mature Christians can discern these things in our leaders. They can see when you're showing off, when you're playing, acting. I've seen people now that have developed these, uh, all these movements that mesmerize people. And, and, and they think they're impressing God. Hear me, please. These things can cause division because discerning leaders can see that, discerning mature Christian. And they know they can't put up with that. They've got to eventually. They've got to leave, and that's divisive, and it causes hurt in the church, and it causes hurt sometimes in their families, as some leave and others stay. You know what I'm saying, please. Uh, division is caused by highlighting, emphasizing just one truth or two truths, and ignoring the rest of the Bible. Preferring one truth above another. Bible is full of truth and every truth has to be preached. Preferences in worship styles, worship uh, music styles, preferences in service styles, in preachers, all these things, prejudices against and for certain truths of people and practices, uh, unresolved past issues, hurts, relational failures, all these disappointments, they can all cause division. I felt this morning when I was preparing, praying, I felt this impressed deeply on my heart that I want to speak to you. I can't say uh, emphatically this is a prophetic thing, but I really feel it so strongly in my spirit. There's a huge, I wrote it down, there's a huge buildup of treachery taking place at, right now. Huge buildup of treachery taking place right now.
both in the world and in the church. It's affecting families, treachery. It's affecting churches, it's affecting countries, political parties, and it's affecting the church. Leaders planning coups. Going to split, in our case, churches. They know it, they can see it coming, and they're still going to do it. They've seen the hurts of the past. They've seen families split, having to decide who to side with. And some not able to decide with either side, so they just leave and fall away. And yet they carry on with this treachery. Not only in churches, but in leadership teams. A census that there's a coup, that people are, some leaders are planning coups, even in their leadership teams. And they'll even try to split apostolic prophetic teams again, translocal teams. We've seen it happen in the past. Decades and decades of people breaking away, setting the whole church back, families falling away, being divided. This is not good. This is not from God. God is for warning us. Don't do it. Stop seducing and stop being seduced. Do you hear me? Father, please help us in Jesus' name. So, division is forbidden. Philippians 2.3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider each other better than yourselves. 2 Timothy 2.14 says, Warn them before God against quarreling about words if it is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Read 2 Timothy 2, 23 and 24. Read James 3, 14. I want to read this one, Titus chapter 3, verse 10. It says, warn a divisive man, and then warn him a second time, and after that have nothing more to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Romans 16, 17 and 18 says this, I urge you, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put them obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have heard or learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving their Lord, our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. So, let's have a look again at Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren, the church, us, the body of Christ, the family of God. What is church? Well, some say, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst, and that's church. It's not. It's two or three believers. But a church is only a church when it is linked to some apostolic prophetic team. It's where it's not just running around doing its own thing, self-appointed leaders. It's a church where there is leadership, established leadership, caring for, watching over, doing all the things that Paul tells Timothy to tell the pastors leaders should be doing. Leaders of the kind of the 1 Timothy 3 and the Titus 2 uh, calibre. Mature leaders. Others say it's just a building with stained glass windows. Other people think it's a Sunday meeting or a Wednesday meeting, that's church, or going online and that's church. But the Bible teaches that church comprises of these things. Some of these are Main ingredients. One, 
It's a group of believers who, one, believers who are truly born again. Unless you're born again, you're not part of the church. You can attend church every Sunday, sing all the songs and do all the antics. But if you're not born again, you're not part of the church. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, right now where you are, just push the pause button and say, Jesus, and I come to you now and I repent of my sin, turn from my sin with your help, and I put my wholehearted, committed faith and trust in you. And I thank you that you hear me and you take what I offer. For you've said, whoever comes to me, I will never, ever cast out. And anything I ask according to your will, and it is your will, that I get saved. So I thank you. I'm saved now. Thank you, Lord. And then go and get involved in a Bible church that really believes the whole Bible. So it's a born again believer. Secondly, it's those who have repented of all known sin, which we just talked about now. It's those who are living in the obedience, uh, in, in obedience in all the grace of God, as 1 John 3, verse 5 and 6 tells us. It's those who love one another and are willing to work out their differences. Have a look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, 1 John 4, verses 7 to 13, verse 16, and then verses 19 to 21. The people who are responding and cooperating with Jesus, the builder of the church, you see, Jesus said, the church that I'm building, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I think I may have said this, but I'm going to say it again. The church you're building, whether you're a leader or whether you're part of the church, what rattles it? How easily is it just diverts off, gets thrown into chaos, disappointed, discouraged, wants to quit? The church that Jesus is building the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if he's building into your family at home, it's going to be the same thing. So, let's have a look at this then. The Holy Spirit says that living together in unity is good and pleasant. It's first of all good and pleasant to God. And that's so important. But the, the, the spin-off is that it's also good and pleasant to us as believers. And then it's also good and pleasant eventually to the world. When they actually see us living what we preach. Instead of just condemning all the time and attacking and being against everything, when they see us actually living in unity, living it out like Jesus. So it brings, it, it brings unity. Let's add, there's a few key, key words here that I want to talk about. The first one is unity. How God views it. It brings pleasure to God. Yes. Secondly, it brings authority because it brings Release. It's like, verse 2 says, it's like oil being poured on the head. Poured out on, or on the head of Aaron. Oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the anointing. And the anointing brings authority. Remember when Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is now upon me, Luke chapter 4. I think it's 19, verse 19 onward. The Spirit of the Lord is now upon me for he has anointed me. To bring what? Relief. Release to the captives. All these things that break. You see, the anointing breaks the yoke. The anointing breaks yokes of bondage. People that are enslaved in bondage can't break loose. The anointing gives us authority. And in the church of Jesus, first of all, the leaders 
that say they are God-appointed leaders should be seeing the authority of God exercised in and through their lives, seeing release when they preach, release when they pray, release when they prophesy. So many people are prophesying stuff and all it does is bring bondage. There's no change. They say God says this, this is what God's saying and nothing changes. But when there's unity, true prophetic releases come in and through the life of the church. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. It says in Matthew 12, 28, it is God's Spirit who gives me authority. This is Jesus speaking. It gives me authority or power to drive out demons. And so Nehemiah 8, 10 tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that Jesus full of joy by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Psalm 16, 11 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And so I'm leading towards something here. Let me just say this. Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. There is such an authority and power in the togetherness of God's people, just church, not calling stuff down, not shouting stuff over people. There is such an authority in the church when we dwell together in unity, where Christ in me and Christ in the person next to me and in front of me and behind me and all around, the Christ in all of us, when we together, the power released. I've seen that in churches I've pastored in where people get saved every Sunday, even when we're not preaching on salvation. People are getting healed while we're just talking. People are getting delivered from demons just while we're singing songs. Power and unity. We don't have to do all these other things. Yes, there can be a time that God says prophesy or God says pray for. But when we come together in unity, the, oh, the unleashed power that is resident inside of the church when it's in unity. Can you see what I'm trying to say? And then also it brings maturity, runs down on Aaron's beard. I think I may have said this earlier on. I've been preaching quite a bit, but a beard and children don't have beards. And as you get older, your beard gets thicker and then it starts to grow, go, go grayer. Maturity, those things happen. Then it brings energy. It energizes. It's like dew falling from Mount Zion, from, um, from Hermon on Mount Zion. Jew, stop and think about Jew again. I think I may have touched this, but I want to do it again. It's so important. It brings refreshing. It brings stability, falling on Mount Zion, because it brings the kingdom, and then it brings fertility, life forevermore. Can I say this again, folk? It starts with leadership. Uh, and then it flows down. Leaders, get your team into unity. Father and mother and a family, get your team into unity and see what God can do for you. I want us to read, as I close off now, part of Galatians chapter 6. Okay. Ephesians chapter 3, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. 
if you'll just turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. I was reading this, I think it was this morning or yesterday morning in my devotions, Ephesians chapter 3, and I want to pick up in uh, the 7th verse. It's a, a little bit of a long, maybe 10, 15 verses here or somewhere, maybe 20. It says this, Paul speaking, he's, he's just been talking about this mystery uh, where we're all members together of one body and share us together in the promise of, in Christ. And he says this in the seventh verse, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me. Isn't that an amazing thing? For those of you in leadership, you became servants of, of, Christ, of this gospel. God's given you the privilege to preach to minister, to share with, to counsel, to be involved in. And it's a gift of God's grace given us through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me, and what is it? To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Think about that. We're caught up with all these divisive non-issues that you, the devil's using when we could be preaching, teaching, imparting all of the unsearchable riches that are in Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. Now listen to this. His intention or his intent, God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm, that's demons included, according to his eternal purposes, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been called to preach this, to make it plain. I'm hoping, I'm helping to make it plain today with this get into unity, stop division. In Him, Jesus, and through faith in Him, we approach God with, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is all part of what we are, the privilege we have that we're not exercising while we are causing division or choosing sides and doing these silly things of pride and arrogance and fame and fortune and seeking from selfish ambition. I ask you, He says that we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are for you, are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven on earth derives its name. And this is what he prays. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner man, inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God, of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And then he says, 
I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble, completely gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then I just want to skip through and say that he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of his fullness. Verse 15 says, I'm just skipping verse 14, instead speaking the truth in love, we will do in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, because from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament relationship grows and builds itself up in love when, as each part does its work. Father, help us by grace which you've said we have, undeserved, all available. Help us to live in that unity where we all play our part, that your body may grow, become effective, fruitful. We may see the commanded blessing. I'm asking that commanded blessing in the lives of every person who hears that they will become part of the solution and cease to be part of the problem to become a mighty weapon in your hands and no longer a weapon that Satan's able to use from time to time through division and I thank you now in Jesus my Lord and my Saviour's name Amen God bless you